everybody. Welcome to the It Hurts to Mom podcast. I'm Lauren Rose. My guest today is Jess Marcy. Jess is a clutter coach, an advice columnist, and a speaker. And she's here today to talk to us about clutter. So first, the basics. What exactly is clutter? <laughs> um, hi, Lauren. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Clutter is basically anything that stands in the way of forward movement in your life. So it could literally be piles of stuff on your floor or piles of stuff on your, you know, any flat surface that makes it difficult to accomplish what you want to accomplish every day. But it could also be an emotion that's holding you back. It could be a financial situation. It could be a relationship. It could be the way that you're communicating. So I believe that all clutter is connected. And if you're struggling would say something emotional or with a relationship, sometimes tackling the physical stuff can also alleviate some or lead to the alleviation of some of the more emotional stuff and vice versa. Yeah, I definitely feel um, like when we have clutter, my brain is just chaos. I can't relax. I can't focus. So I definitely see that connection. Um, So let's talk about decluttering for a little bit. Why can decluttering be so emotional for people? I think, you know, we were taught a really specific, (laughs) stumbling over my words so early this morning, uh, a really specific uh, relationship to have with our stuff. And that is everything is important. Everything should be valued. Everything has a purpose. Everything has a potential future use. So right from the get-go, when we let go of something, it's really challenging the societal ideals that we were raised with. We also tend to attach memories to things. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that's another way that clutter can be emotional. And our stuff is our reflection, like a reflection of our lives. So when we declutter something, we are letting go of some portion of our life, our identity. Um, You know, there was a period of time where I wanted to be a quilter. And so I had all these quilting (laughs) supplies and Turns out that I didn't actually enjoy quilting. I just liked the idea of making stuff for my children. Um, But letting go of the quilting supplies was really connected to this identity that I had as a good mother, right? Good mom. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had to kind of overcome that in the process of letting go of those supplies. So it's, yeah, there's a lot of connections there. Yeah, I could see that. My, we've got a lot of paper clutter, but as far as collecting things, like I collect books and I realized a few years ago that, you know, it, I, cause I keep books, even if I've read them, even if I didn't really care for them. And I realized that collecting books makes me feel smart because mm-hmm. I've always, you know, been the, the smart kid. So, you know, smart kids should have lots of books and be really, really well read. And so I have a lot of trouble decluttering my books Um, How do we declutter things that are sentimental or important to us? Well, really, the first step is to not declutter them. Um, We always work in the order of emotionally easy to emotionally difficult. So decluttering is really making lots of choices. And it's a muscle that you need to strengthen. So when you start with something super emotional and your muscle is not strong, it's going to be really Mm -hmm. hard to declutter those. So I always go for the low hanging fruit first, like nothing that is difficult. If it's difficult, save it for later. I know a lot of people say that they're attached to everything or they find sentimentality Mm -hmm. in everything, but I really challenge that. I mean, I guarantee you can find 10 things in your house that you're not sentimentally attached to right now. And that are pretty much garbage. And you can throw in the trash without even thinking about it, you know, moving forward. So 
this identity that we're attached to everything um, is also something that we can start decluttering. Yeah, I've noticed even my daughter has trouble decluttering. You know, I was trying to donate, you know, some um, some shoes, but she's like, no, you can't you can't get rid of those because, you know, so and so gave them to me or she's got this jacket, this little cute jacket that hasn't fit her since she was five and she's nine now and we we can't get rid of it because she just loves it so much or there's some something about it I don't know what it is so yeah even even kids sometimes have trouble with that so collecting is a really important part of our um like our brain development so children start collecting items as young as six months old and by two years old mm. they start to categorize items this is really an important skill set. The problem that we have, of course, today is that we've never had so many things in our homes. Yeah. So <laughs> the amount that we're collecting is way more. Um, I always start really gentle with kids, you know, lay out 10 things and say, let's just get rid of one, right? So we get rid of 10% um, or get mm -hmm. rid of two or, you know, whatever it is. And also help them understand how much space they have, because mm -hmm. space is a parameter in our life, just like money, um, just, you know, just like time. So if we don't have money as a parent, it's pretty easy to say, you know, we're not getting that. We can't afford that. We mm -hmm. need to get used to also saying we have no space for this. We can't get this right. This is a negotiation yeah. that you have to make your whole entire life and getting your kids used to understanding living within their space is, you know, it's a skill set to develop. Yeah, whenever my daughter wants something that is going to take up a good amount of room that she doesn't have, our question is, where are you going to put that? Yep. And her answer, of course, is, I don't know. <laughs> like, well, until you figure that out, then we can't talk about this. Um, going back to your first question, another definition that I have for clutter is anything that doesn't have a home in your home. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a big problem in my home, you know, and I get so stressed out. Like, you know, doing the dishes and putting dishes away because we've got so many dishes that don't actually have a home and I don't know what to do with them, right? So we actually decluttered some of our dishes about two weekends ago. So that's been very helpful. Yeah, it, living within your space is so key. Yeah. So what should we do about items that we quote unquote might need one day, right? There's a couple of ways to look at this. I mean, first is this idea that when we think we have to hang on to stuff because we might not have it in the future, that's really a fear-based motivation. So do we want to be like driven by fear or driven by confidence that in the future, if we need something, the universe is going to provide it for us? Uh, so number one, is your motivation fear-based or is your motivation guided by you know more confidence? I say replace fear with faith, not in a religious way, but like faith that I mean, it could be religious if you want it to be, but faith that the, in the future, you're going to have what you need when you need it. Um, another, there's the 2020 rule. I think this comes from maybe from the minimalist or from one of those kind of like bigger minimalism uh, names out there. And that yeah. is if you can replace it in 20 minutes for less than $20, it's pretty safe to let go of it. I think that that's a really helpful sort of rule to follow. Um, yeah. But the reality is everything could be potentially useful in the future. We want to create a home and a space that is perfect for our lives right now, that supports the life we're living right now. We have no idea what the future, the future is going to hold. So hanging on to stuff for some potential unknown is, I mean, when you really think about it logically, makes no sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I've got a garage full of stuff that I'm 
probably never going to use again, like birthday party decorations and stuff like that. So I definitely need to work on that. Um, so my home is cluttered all the time, just everywhere, especially those flat surfaces you were talking about. I can't keep them decluttered to save my life. I've got a young child. I've got, you know, a messy husband who doesn't see the clutter that I see. It just looks fine to him. Um, plus, you know, I've got chronic pain, as do a lot of my listeners. Um, so I'm totally overwhelmed every day, so much so that my anxiety gets out of control and I literally can't tackle anything. Where can I even start to get motivated and stop being so overwhelmed? So yeah, a lot of people who have clutter also have chronic pain. That's and also mental health sort of implications like uh, depression, just general overwhelm, anxiety that they really go hand in hand. I also, a lot of people that I work with um, either are diagnosed or self-diagnosed with ADD or ADHD. Uh, So there's a lot of commonalities between having a lot of clutter and how you feel recognize that when you do declutter, you're going to actually feel better. So there is a medical benefit to decluttering. Number one, you're creating a safer, like a physically safer environment. But number two, you're going to be able to lower your levels of anxiety and overwhelm. So even though it's hard to get to that point to start decluttering, there is a medical outcome that is totally worth pushing yourself forward to. Um, I also never rely on motivation. So motivation is super fickle, right? Like it likes to go on vacation all the time. So we can't Mm -hmm. rely on motivation. We have to rely on routine action. I think one of the biggest problems with decluttering is we have this idea that it has to be a huge event that Mm -hmm. we have to set aside a whole weekend or a month to like tackle the basement. But the reality is that decluttering is something that we need to do every single day. So as long as there's stuff coming into our homes every day, we have to be removing stuff from our homes every day. Because really, when we're cluttered, it's just like a clog in our house. So our homes are out of balance, right? We need to kind of unclog our homes. So stop bringing stuff in and then increase the amount that is going out. And that's that stop bringing stuff in is really key, not forever, but while you're in this decluttering, the initial decluttering, it really helps to have just nothing coming into your house. So you can start to unclog it and increase the flow of things out of your house. I also really recommend know your limits. If you can only do five minutes at a time, that is five minutes well spent. Uh, If you can do 10 minutes, do 10 minutes, but don't set yourself up for failure by taking on a project that's going to take days because you're never going to get through it. So we have a rule of three. Anything that you think is going to take one hour is going to take three hours. Anything (laughs) you think is going to take one day is going to take three days. So follow the rule of three to be really realistic about how much you can get done and really lower that bar. Try and only work for five minutes at a time. Awesome. So is there any kind of environmental impact to consumption? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, Overconsumption, consumption. I mean, I think that basically we're all over consumers now, right? Like our, our bar is so, uh, so skewed. There's horrific environmental damage due to overconsumption. I mean, if you look at any developing nations, you can see the impact on their uh, rivers, on their forests, on their uh, everything. Um, and of course, it all trickles down to everyone in the world. So um, I talk a lot about recycling and the reality about recycling. 
only 9% of plastic that has ever been produced has actually been recycled. And of that 9%, most of it has been downcycled, not actually recycled. So it's been turned into something that can't be recycled again. Uh, so just really thinking about the best thing that you can do for the earth is to consume less. Once you have already consumed something, you have very little control over where it goes when you throw it out. So wish cycling is a huge problem. We toss tons of stuff into our recycling bins, hoping it can be recycled. Mm -hmm. Most of the time it can't. I, and even when you donate stuff, there's a good chance that it's going into the trash. I mean, there's just too much stuff in this world. So mm -hmm. the part that you have control over is what comes into your home, what you consume. And that's where I think if we want to be, you know, environmentally conscious, that should be where we're focusing on is not letting so much stuff come in. And the side benefit to that is you end up saving a ton of money. So All right. that's right. Um, so what if we have clutter, quote unquote, that doesn't bother us? Do we still need to declutter it? That really depends. I mean, everyone has an environment that feels comfortable to them. So I think talking to your significant other and the other people in your house to see what their level of comfort is, comfort is, is a good starting point. Um, but then also just think about the has the physical hazards of clutter. So if your home is totally safe and you just have a lot of stuff, no problem. But there are a lot of hazards, environmental hazards and physical, physical hazards to having clutter. Um, there is something if you Google a clutter, clutter image rating scale, um, it'll show you nine different pictures of one room and they're, you know, they're one through nine. So anything four and above would be considered hazardous for medical professionals to come into your house in the case of an emergency or it could be considered fire entrapment issues. So it kind of gives, gives you like this visual scale of how safe your house is with your clutter. Um, ironically, a lot of people hang on to stuff because they might need it in an emergency, but truly, if you mm -hmm. can't find what you need, you're only creating a more hazardous situation. And then there's environmental allergens like dust and mold that can be present when there's clutter. So if it's hard to clean, um, that can be contributing to a health consequence. So it really depends on if you want to keep stuff, that's fine. But as long as you can clean easily, uh, it's not a tripping hazard. It's not going to fall on you. It's not going to be an entrapment issue in a fire. Then, you know, that's totally up to you. That's so interesting. I have never thought about the health hazards of, of clutter before. We have a lot of people. So I've worked with in the past four years, over 35,000 people in online group settings. We have so many people who have mold toxicity and it's mm -hmm. a very hard thing to diagnose, but um, it's very easy to have mold in any area of your house. If there's just a little tiny bit of moisture present and clutter can make it difficult to know that you have any mold. Um, and 25% of the population is at risk for mold toxicity. So it's like a part of our wow. genetics, right? Like some people are just more susceptible to it. So everyone mm -hmm. could be living in a house and only one person could be impacted because they have that susceptibility. Um, mold toxicity tends to look like a lot of other vague uh, medical diagnoses like um, fibromyalgia or uh, mono or Lyme disease, right? They all kind of have similar symptoms. And if your doctor's not looking for it, it's, you know, that it's not something that naturally rises to the top of, oh, let me check for mold toxicity. 
-hmm. Additionally, most people are not honest with their medical providers about mm -hmm. how cluttered their environment is. And most medical providers don't ask that question. So right. it's really hard to get to that, like, okay, this is actually an issue that's causing, impacting my health because it's not on anyone's radar to talk about. Yeah, I've never had a doctor ask me and I, I see doctors all, all right. the time. Yeah, and that's really alarming because it's so massively impactful on our health. Um, the only time that doctors start talking about safety in your environment is in terms of like spousal abuse or something like that, uh, or with elder care, they do bring up how much stuff is in your space because oftentimes if there's a lot of clutter, it's hard to bring medical equipment into that space um, or it can be hazardous to have like an oxygen tank or something like that. So in elder care, it is addressed, but leading up to that, I've never had a doctor talk to me about it either. Yeah. So yeah, that's really like, <laughs> if there's any doctors out there, we need to talk because we need to be talking about this with our patients. Yeah, that's awesome. So what are some decluttering mistakes that you see people making? Uh, trying to do too much at once, um, trying to tackle the sentimental stuff first, trying to follow a decluttering schedule. Like today we're going to do the whole closet and tomorrow we're going to do the whole kitchen and, you know, that doesn't work. Um, trying to do it alone. We have mm -hmm. seen that community really helps when you're tackling clutter because there's a lot of shame and embarrassment around clutter. So tackling it with a supportive community can make a huge difference. Clutter in general is very isolating. So breaking down some of those barriers is really helpful. Um, and getting stuck on that point of shame. It's really, I believe, not our fault that we have clutter. It's the combination of a lot of different forces in our world today. And the fact that we were never, never taught organization or decluttering skills because nobody needed to declutter or organize prior to like 30 years ago. I mean, like our grandparents in the Great Depression, it, they didn't have, they had so little that organization mm -hmm. was not even like, if you only own five things, who cares if they're organized, right? Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> so we never learned these skills. There's an onslaught of consumerism and easy access to goods. Uh, parasomatic shopping is a recognized sleep disorder, right? Shopping in your sleep. Um, you know, you kind of wow. like roll over, press that Amazon button, like while you're half awake. And then there's packages on your doorstep and you only vaguely remember ordering them. There's, we've just removed every barrier to things coming into our home. So I don't think that feeling shame around your clutter is helpful. It certainly doesn't help you move forward. And any program or attempt to declutter that invokes that feeling of shame is a big mistake. So you just mentioned decluttering schedules. Several years ago, I joined a year-long decluttering program, but it didn't work. And I'm not sure why it didn't work. Um, what are some reasons that decluttering schedules fail? So there's, <laughs> I think it really starts with, you have to go for that low-hanging fruit, right? So number one, if you're following a program that's telling you to start in your closet with your clothing, I know that that's like the Marie Kondo method is that she always starts with clothing. Well, if you're emotionally attached to your clothing, you're going to get stuck at the very beginning, right? So you need to know where to start that is unique to you. Uh, you also need to know your own limitations. If you suffer from chronic pain, you're not going to be able to spend an hour every day decluttering. Decluttering is very physically laborious. We're in mm -hmm. weird positions. We're usually um, releasing a lot of dust and allergens into the air. 
we have to bend over, we have to lift up, we have to be able to get stuff out of our homes, we have to have a place for it to go to. There's a lot of layers involved to that. And if you just say, go tackle a closet today, and you're, you know, you're emotionally attached to your clothing, it's dusty in there, it's heavy, you're never going to make any forward progress because it's just, you know, it's, it's really set up for failure for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, you know, and the idea, like once you have that sense of failure, it's hard to find the motivation to start again, right? It's right. this feedback loop that just continues in a downward spiral. So it's, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what, what type of program you joined. What, was it following schedules or was it like, yeah, it was like 15 minutes a day and they would say, go declutter, you know, your kitchen drawers or go declutter your shoes or what, whatever it was. And I just, so for some reason, couldn't keep up with it. And I feel like it took me more than 15 minutes to do it every day. And just after a while, it just wasn't working anymore. Yeah. I think a lot of programs also don't talk about maintenance, which is hugely important. I mean, you want to maintain what you've decluttered so that you have, you know, so it's not like the constant clutter shuffle or it's not getting worse all the time. Um, the the way that the programs that I run work is that we have coaches from all different disciplines also involved in our programs. So um, sometimes you need the mindset adjustment before you can do the physical stuff. Sometimes you need the physical stuff before you can do the mindset stuff. Sometimes they both kind of happen at the same time. I mean, we have people in our programs who have done nothing for eight, who appear to have done nothing for eight months, but they've been listening to all of the, the coaches. They've been working on the mindset. And then when they start decluttering, it goes so quickly because they're totally prepared for it. So, you know, they'll get on a call and say, I feel like I'm behind. I haven't done anything, blah, blah, blah. But you're showing up every day. You're trying to figure this out. And one day that is going to happen for you. There's going to be a switch and you'll be able to move forward. So well, I think cool. that there's, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why decluttering programs don't work. Also this right. like idea to buy boxes and bins. It's just, you know, the more you add to your, the volume of stuff in your house, the harder mm-hmm. it is to declutter. So I never recommend that you buy a box or a bin to start decluttering. That's the opposite of what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not about creating like a beautiful picture, perfect Instagram worthy space. It's first and foremost about creating function in your home so that you can get through your day like easily and boxes and bins are not the solution. Interesting. Cause that's what I do. A lot of times when I see, when I see a lot of clutter, I just go buy plastic bins. <laughs> yep. Um, so I am not a shopaholic, but I find it really hard to resist buying things on clearance or at garage sales. And like I said earlier, one time I was kind of addicted to buying clearance books, right? So why are some of us obsessed with clearance and secondhand shopping? There's this whole um, hormonal release when you find the best deal. It, it's very primal. Our brains, you know, developed a long time ago. They haven't caught up to the society that we live in today. So it's this like thrill of the hunt. So you, you know, you're chasing down the best deal. It's kind of like when we have used to have to chase our our food down, and you finally mm-hmm. get it, and it releases all of these hormones, uh, and it's hard to overcome that. So. You know, one of the things that we say is if it's not, if you wouldn't buy it at full price, then you probably don't need it at clearance price either. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) 
but also maybe just i mean there's a lot of different strategies for this um avoid the situation if it's if it's very triggering to you have a way to stop and take a deep breath so find the deal there's something that we call catch or shop and release so like find the deal put it into your basket and then release it like you you Mm. like just let it go let it go back to the store let it go back to the online store, whatever it is, you don't have to actually take it home with you to get that same like endorphin feeling from it. Yeah. Interesting. So if you could give one piece of advice, what would it be? One single piece of advice? Sure. <laughs> um, or, or two or what, however, whatever you want to give. I would say, you know, it's so important to recognize that if you have a lot of clutter, it's really not your fault. Um, And there is a path forward. Like there is definitely hope. If you think that you are a borderline hoarder or might have hoarding disorder or you're an extreme clutterer, I mean, there's a lot of like descriptive terms that people use. That's okay. That is a product of the world that we live in. And there's totally hope for you. So if you haven't found the right answer yet, just keep searching because there are a lot of organizers out there who do understand how to move forward in a way that makes sense. It's not all about buying boxes and bins and look at the whole picture. Like maybe you can't declutter your dresser, but you can have a conversation with your spouse about the dresser. And that's one step forward, right? Um, It's more than just the stuff. So be gracious, gracious with yourself, I think. Okay. Um, t- so tell us about your program. It's called Prioritize Your Sanity. What is it and why does it work? So yeah, Prioritize Your Sanity is my, I have actually three different levels of programming. Um, Prioritize Your Sanity is $10 a month. It's a large community-based decluttering group. And inside of there, we do decluttering marathons. Uh, we do a coaching call every week. Sometimes we do boot camps. It works, I think, because we have a tremendously supportive community that is completely judgment-free. So if you throw out five magnets or declutter or donate or whatever you're doing, you're going and you post that, people are going to cheer you on and it's going to feel so good. So you might not be getting that um, support that you need, that validation at home, but you get it inside of the group. And just seeing other people have their ups and downs and be really vulnerable really makes a huge difference. Um, As you like increase the levels in the programs that I do, we increase the coaching and the types of coaches that we have. Uh, So we have like a psychotherapist, a mindset coach, a nutrition coach, a parenting and communication coach. Um, I'm missing, oh, a finance coach. So at our like top level program, because it really is about taking this whole life approach. Um, It everything that I did to declutter my life, I have mirrored in the programs that I do now. But the idea is that it took me like 10 to 15 years to get to where I am now. And we don't want you to be there for 10 to 15 years. <laughs> Realistically, you're looking at one to two years. Um, but mm-hmm. it took a long time for the clutter to accumulate and to have true success and to not backslide or go back to, you know, go back to how you are now. You need to make a lot of changes and they have to come from within. So it's totally worth like going down that path and doing the difficult internal work. I love that. It sounds really comprehensive and and really encouraging and supportive too. Yeah, absolutely. So where can we get more information about you and what you do? 
So you can go to jessmarcy.com, J-E-S, just one S. I decluttered the other S. Um, <laughs> way before I, I did that in third grade. Uh, actually, it's because oh. my parents named me a very popular name and I had there were a lot of other yeah. Jessicas in my class, so I needed to differentiate myself. Um, or you can go to prioritizeyoursanity.com. Um, I also have a podcast called It's All Clutter. I'm on mm-hmm. a lot of podcasts. I have speaking engagements uh, kind of around the country depending on the the month. Um, yeah. And I would love to, to see you work with you, help you out in a totally judgment-free way. Yeah. I've also seen a lot of your videos on YouTube and they're, they're really great. Thank so, you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, They're really interesting and informative and I've been really been enjoying your videos. That's all. I can tell that so. you've watched a lot because you had a re- lot of really good questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you can find me at it and at it hurts to mom on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'd also love to hear from you via email at it hurts to mom at gmail.com. Hope everybody has a blessed day. Thank you so much. This was fantastic.